0: Welcome to Tattooed Freaks and Businesses, recorded live in the kitchen of the Personal Touch Career Services in Denver, Colorado. I am your host, Donna Shannon. As a professional career coach, I help people navigate the hiring maze to get the jobs they really love. In addition to working with job seekers one-on-one, I do have a book available, You Can Find How to Get a Job Without Going Crazy on Amazon. I have a very special guest today. He's actually not a tattoo artist, but he's a professional piercer by the name of Will Von Doom. So thank you very much for joining us and I'll have you give your full introduction in just a moment. So overall, our show's purpose is to explore and redefine the world of work, especially as Gen X millennials and those to come after seek positions of leadership that still allow them to be themselves. So every show, we explore a topic related to business or job searching, or since we're all uh, fans of body modification in all of its forms, how you can be more intelligent about your choices when it comes to working with professionals in this space. Our sponsor is the uh, Personal Touch Career Services, Denver's top-rated career coaching service. We focus on those practical tools for your job search including resumes, LinkedIn profiles, job search coaching, and ongoing classes. So check out our ridiculously long website, personaltouchcareerservices.com. Once again, that's personaltouchcareerservices.com, or, you know, you can just Google it. So, Well, thank you very much for joining us today. I also have another special guest with us, uh, Jasmine Giffen, who is a professional piercer here in the Denver area. But Will, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Uh, So first and foremost, thanks for having me on your show. I super appreciate it. Um, My name is Will Von Doom. I'm a professional body piercer of, I tried to figure this out the other day, I think it's between eight and 10 years. I can never remember. Um, I'm a current business member of the Association of Professional Piercers. I owned my own body piercing studio in upstate New York before I moved to Tennessee with my wife. And currently I do community outreach uh, for uh, Tap Two and Body Piercing Studio that I am with currently down here. I still travel as a body piercer. And then on top of that, I also run a podcast as well.
0: Great, and what's your podcast?
1: Oh, uh, my podcast is uh, Real Talk, a piercing podcast, and basically what we do is we try to cover all the things that may or may not be taboo in the piercing industry, uh, as well as um, trying to spend some time informing clients of what they should be looking for and what they should, you know, try to stay away from as well.
0: Great, great. So, uh, one of the things that I wanted to address in our topic today is... You know, I think a lot of people, especially my generation, I'm Gen X, Jasmine's a Gen Y. And, uh, you know, I admit it, all my first piercings were done in the mall at those awful kiosks. And uh, there's probably better and safer ways to go about that, correct?
1: <laughs> yes. And and don't feel bad because I got my ears pierced at a kiosk in the mall, too.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As Jasmine points out those tattoo guns or uh, piercing guns are not safe at all, right? No, definitely
1: not. No, uh, so the, the, this I can go on all day about. Uh, so the one thing that is really, uh, pardon me, the one thing that's really awful about those are they're supposed to be meant to be used one time because you cannot actually sterilize them. If you tried to put them into an autoclave to sterilize them for the next clientele, it would actually melt the piercing gun itself. Um, instead, what they do is they wipe it down with alcohol, which isn't uh, a, a disinfectant that's strong enough to kill lots of things. And they actually just uh, replace like a cartridge in it. So kind of think, um, kind of like a staple gun is a good way to think about it. You like mm-hmm. put staples in, you use it, and you take them out. So it's, it's usually, a, when you get pierced by that, not only are you getting... Pierced by something that's not sanitary, you know, you you really have no idea on what what like how well it's been cleaned or anything like that from a previous use.
0: Right. Right. And yeah. One of the things I've definitely learned about working with Jasmine, and I didn't realize all of this, is you know, all the extra training that usually professional piercers go through, correct?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure
1: she's probably talked to off quite a bit for it, but um, typically uh, most individuals, and, and I want to be clear on that, most, not all, uh, typically go through a multi-year apprenticeship. And uh, during that period, typically it's an unpaid time in which you basically learn the ins and outs of body piercing firsthand uh, from a mentor. Uh, some people have better apprenticeships than others. There are some uh, classes and programs that you can take that are really beneficial, such as um, the Fakir Intensives out in California, uh, as well as like, you know, your typical uh bloodborne pathogens and uh, like OSHA training are definitely good things to have when uh, trying to learn this craft.
0: Right, right. And then there's actually an association as well, the Association of Professional Piercers, or APP. Um, So could you tell me a little bit more about the association and and how someone would go about finding a member? Sure,
1: absolutely. So uh, the first thing that I'm going to say off the top is uh, everything that I'm going to tell you right now is my views personally and does not reflect the Association of Professional Piercers in any way, and I'm not speaking on their behalf. I'm only speaking on my personal experience. So, the Association of Professional Piercers is an absolutely wonderful organization uh, that our industry can utilize. And what they do is they are the largest governing body of health and safety in, in regards to body piercing itself. So, typically, uh, what you can do is you can take, uh, like I said, like bloodborne pathogens and basic first aid that apply to the industry itself. The so ones that are geared specifically for body piercing um, through their website, which is a great tool. Another thing that they have as well is you can actually become a business member. And mm-hmm. what that means is that you basically uh, adhere to a set of uh, material standards uh, that your jewelry and uh, environment meet so that you are uh, doing things to a specific level, at least to that level, if not beyond. And then um in addition to that as well, you can actually use their website to find a member, which will allow you to uh search within a, a designated bubble that you select and find studios that meet those standards.
0: Okay, great. Um so but they don't necessarily certify individuals as piercers.
1: Okay. So this is this is a big thing uh that personally uh I preach quite a bit, is uh, just like every other industry on the planet, you could be like a certified plumber, but it doesn't mean that you're a very good plumber.
0: So oh yes, I've seen that with resume yeah. writers too. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, there you go. It, it's every, every field imaginable it, it ties into. But basically uh, the APP does not certify anyone. Uh, so there's no APP certified piercers. Uh, if that's being said, it's usually incorrect or they're misinformed. Basically, once you become a member, you're basically uh, ensuring that you're meeting a minimum environmental and material standard. Um, And they do check in on that every year or so. uh, So you do have to continually be up on it. Um, But it does not define uh, like how piercings are done, whether it be with tools or uh, with no tools or or anything among those lines. So uh, even though a shop may be... Uh, a, or even though a shop may have members of the Association of Professional Piercers, I'm just going to start saying APP because otherwise your podcast is going to be 50 minutes long. Yeah. Um, so even if you have members of the APP, the big thing is is that um, they are not endorsed by the APP as being certified. So they they have all sorts of different skill levels. So making sure that you seek out uh, piercers who have quality portfolios and like have clean consistent work is definitely a little bit of extra homework. So please make sure that if you uh, We really appreciate trying to Find members, but in addition to that doing your homework on those members is always encouraged as well
2: Great, right like looking at finding a member on their website is literally just ensuring that they're following just the most basic uh, Standards of like health and safety that they are using all sterile equipment and that the materials are good not necessarily that they can perform the piercing that you want in the way that you want
1: right that's that's the big thing is you know there there are all sorts of different styles all sorts of different techniques and and you know certain people may sell certain things that others don't and it, it really comes down to what you as a client feel comfortable with you know genuinely
0: yeah, right. So one of the things that, you know, obviously people want to do when they're considering a piercing uh, is to look at the piercer's portfolio. Um, so if someone who you know may not be an expert in this kind of has an idea of what they want, when they're flipping through those portfolios, how can you tell if that particular piercer uh, basically really knows what they're doing?
1: Okay, so uh, one of the things that I will throw off the top, which I'm sure that you're uh, quite familiar with, you know, doing the resume building and stuff is we're going very digital now. Mm -hmm. Uh, so having things in the sense of like a book on a table, they usually aren't in many studios, uh, anymore because so many people post on social media. So it's it's very easy uh, to, as soon as you enter a studio, to find out where to find that information, or even if you Google them, you should be able to find those uh, pictures of Pearson's very easily. Uh, whether you find them in the shop on a table or you find them digitally, uh, should not really influence you too greatly. But the biggest thing is, is when you look at a portfolio, Me personally, I don't look for piercings that look like they're just done. So I don't want to see a piercing that like looks totally straight right now and is red and has like a little bit of blood on it or anything like that. What I ideally would be looking for, and I suggest clients to also do, is to look for fully healed piercings. Okay. Because the piercing itself can look straight or it can be like kind of swollen when it's first done. But really the testament is looking at the same piercing you know, 6 to 12 months later, and seeing if, like, all those angles that they did, like, for example, like, um, the, the triple forward helix are the three that are very close to the ear, um, are the the side of the head on the ear, just making sure that all those are still facing the same direction, and they're not all pointing at different radio stations, uh, mm-hmm. is definitely something to look for. Above all that, the, yeah, <laughs> above all that, the the other thing that I can only uh, recommend is if you go into a studio and you're dead set on getting like X piercing um, making sure that the piercer spends time with you as an individual to see if you actually have the anatomy for it is mm-hmm. definitely important because um, honestly you uh, in every industry there's a few bad apples and and there is some individuals that will be like oh yeah like let's just throw those in there and unfortunately if you don't have the space to heal it it's not going to heal right, and who knows if they'll see you again. The, the biggest thing in my book, and I've preached it since day one, is I believe in client over mod, which basically means that I want you to be happy, have a healthy piercing, and have it heal correctly, more so than making sure that my pockets are heavy when I leave the store at the end of the day.
2: Exactly, yeah. I turn, I am very, very picky about industrial piercings, specifically. Oh, yeah. I turn so many away so many like probably yeah. definitely a good three quarters people just don't have the right anatomy and i don't think that they quite understand what they're getting into with healing and industrial piercing and how difficult it is so unless you have like perfect anatomy or have healed multiple cartilage piercings successfully, i just i i don't want to put anybody through that
0: yeah you know, that's really great I, I, that... and uh you know, I mostly just have some cartilage piercings in my upper ear and then everything else is you know, pretty conservative, standard kind of piercings. And uh, to realize that it's not just what you want, but it's what fits with your body is a really big realization. Because a lot of times when I go in for tattoos, I'm heavily tattooed. I don't have to consider that as much because my skin tanks ink well. Right. And I've never it wasn't until I started doing some of the cartilage piercings with Jasmine that the whole idea of anatomy being a factor even came into play.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, I I hate to say it, but I mean you'll see it next time after I tell you this, you'll see it next time you go to the beach and it's like a whole bunch of different people of various ages you will see probably a lot of people like around the 20 to 40 age range with like scars on their navels from getting their you know mm-hmm. navel or belly button done and unfortunately i think maybe like three out of every 10 uh, are sufficient to do navels and i i really turn a lot of people away because you know i know this sounds weird but a lot of people don't think about it when someone comes in, you're like, oh, yeah, you have enough. They're like, can you also sit down while showing me your navel? Because think about how much time you spend sitting down. If you have jewelry that's like hitting it and pushing it in a different direction, like it's not going to heal happy. And, then, you know, there's there's times where people are dead set on getting it. And then, unfortunately, I have to just straight up tell them, "Be, you know, I'd, I'd love to do this for you, but I don't feel comfortable doing it because, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to heal right. And I honestly couldn't do that to you. Right.
2: Right. Right. And I mean that in that situation, if, if you, the client wants it bad enough, they'll probably end up finding somebody that will do it. You'll find somebody that'll do it, but that um,
0: Yeah, that's, unfortunately, like, that's always the
2: thing. thing. Have the same problems. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. So uh, talking about just finding people in general, one of the things I want to ask you all about is uh, we already know the mall is not the most cleanest place to get a piercing done. Uh, one trend we're seeing here in the Denver area is, like, head shops, <laughs> you can go get your your pot smoking pipes and get a piercing at the same time. And I don't know how clean those places are, but when you're walking into a shop or a studio, how can you really tell if it's a clean one from a dirty one? And and what does it really mean when we say we're looking for a clean shop? Yeah. I mean, uh, so, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I mean,
2: obviously. Obvious one is if you walk in and it looks dirty, like if you'd walk into a house and see that it's dirty, that's not a clean shop. If they can't sweep, then they're probably not doing the other more labor intensive cleaning and sterilizing and stuff that needs to be done. So that's, that's my first indication is how clean and professional put together does the shop itself look
1: yeah that's that's a big thing um so there, there's a variety of different shops that are out there now uh some are trying to cater towards you know traditional clientele. we call them like lovingly uh, street shops where mm-hmm. it's very high volume um you know it looks like you just walk in and it's it's just like you know here's some flash on the walls and things like that there's also other studios um for example like uh Dorje Dormant in Rochester, New York, which is what I consider my, like, my, my base of operations, like my favorite shop on the planet. Um, you walk in and it, it's actually an old house uh, and it feels like a home when you walk in and it's very welcoming and it's very bright. Um, making sure that you go into a shop and feeling comfortable is the biggest thing. I yeah. mean, if you walk into a business and, and you're just like, whoo, like, I'm not into this place at all. Like, just leave. It's it's totally fine. You can go in and just scope places too. Whatever works best for you.
2: Mm -hmm. Definitely. I have a lot of clients that will have gone to a different shop and had a really bad experience and will remark that they didn't think that it was right, like had a gut feeling that something wasn't right. And I was like, you can always walk out. That's totally fine. Even if you're already talking to the piercer, you can always leave. And I would hope that if somebody was talking to me and they weren't comfortable that They would leave i don't want
1: them to feel uncomfortable yeah that's a big thing that a lot of people don't uh feel comfortable with kind of uh because let's be let's be honest many people that go to shops are going to shops for the first time so all of their perceptions and all of what they think a shop is is unfortunately you know what they've seen on tv or what they've seen in reality shows so when you when you have a client come in a good thing is or a good thing as a client to be like, Hey, this isn't my place I want to s- spend my money at is if you go in and the, the piercer or the, the individual behind the counter is irritated with your questions, Like that's not good. Like you're allowed to ask questions. If we didn't ask questions, no one would have any answers.
2: Exactly. So
1: you should really, yeah, you should really go in. You should be able to ask any questions without any issues, without feeling, you know, like you're the odd man out or odd person out. Um, it, it's just, One of those things where if you don't feel comfortable, like that's just that's my biggest thing. Even if the shop could be super clean, it could be you know, it could be cleaner than a doctor's office or anything like that. You know, it it just may not be what's working for you. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. I think one of the most interesting trends I've seen, and Jasmine told me about it a couple years ago, but uh, now I see it on Facebook and certain articles have popped up too about people bringing their kids in for their first ear piercings to a professional shop versus going to the mall. And you know, it's kind of crazy that I never ever thought of doing that before, but now it makes so much more sense because of the sterilization issues and the, um, just that overall better understanding of the industry and what to expect in the healing process and everything else. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a huge thing. Uh, I I uh before before I moved to Tennessee at uh my location, I actually had children well not children, young adults who were like I think in like sixth or seventh grade who would make PowerPoint presentations on how trained and how uh cleanly and hygienic we were and would present that's them to cool. their parents and be like, Okay, now we're okay with this.
0: Yeah, so, that's like cool. I, I would have
1: <laughs> <Amazing>. <laughs> Yeah, I it blew my mind when she came in with it. I was like, whoa, I would really like to see that.
2: <laughs> so, uh,
1: But I mean, I, I invite parents to come in without the kids like previously to just be like, hey, I want you to come in. I want you to feel okay. Like these are all the things that are going to occur. And for example, every shop does it a little different. Uh, at uh, Dorje Dormant, uh Nick, who is the owner there, uh, is the one that typically does a lot of the children's piercing and has them come in one week prior to the appointment that they set to go through like almost like a mock experience. They like pick up the jewelry. He like draws the dots on them and make sure everything looks okay. And they feel comfortable there. And then he's like, okay, we'll see you in a week. And then then when they come back the next weekend, that's when he does the piercing so that they know that they absolutely want it, that they can ask for it. And that they're not afraid of like this place with all these, like, you know, let's, let's be real. Like, I mean, I'm six two and I wear a giant shirt with cupcakes on it all the time, but I look kind of intimidating cause I had a huge beard and that's kind of scary to a little kid. when you're meeting for the first time. So yeah. by making sure that they feel comfortable, that's, that's another big thing. And that's unfortunately one of the things that, um, the locations within malls usually have a hard time with, but as a caveat to that, uh, there are a lot of high end uh, studios that are in malls now, uh, that have the same standards and RAPP members and, and everything among that in malls. Um, but the, the things that we're, I wanna be clear when I say you know mall shop is, I mean, the little kiosk pop-ups are the thing where they do piercings to like add on a $5 sale. Those are the, the mall shops that I'm referring to.
2: Right, the buy your mystery metal jewelry, get the piercing for free place. There you go,
1: yeah, those ones. <laughs>
0: Mm. Uh, that brings up an interesting point about jewelry quality. So, um, what would be some good materials that would be safe for initial piercings?
1: Sure. So, um, it's not only material; it's also style. Okay. So, um, those butterfly—the excuse me—those butterfly back earrings that you see, uh, like everyone's grandma has them. Um, some people still wear them. Those are um, okay for for healed piercings. But for initial piercings, you typically want to go with a flat back style of jewelry where it just looks like a flat disc. Um, that's, that's pretty good for initial piercings. Some people do captive bead rings or just the, the rings with the ball on them. And then other people do, you know, barbells as well, which is just a, it looks like an old man, like, you know, strong man barbell. Um, mm-hmm. Those are all really good options when it comes to materials. Personally, um, I have incredibly sensitive skin, so stainless steel doesn't really go over very well with me, um, because in order for stainless steel to be shiny, it has to have nickel in it, and as we know, humans don't like nickel, and some people have really bad reactions to it. So, um, for example, the studio that I currently work at, and the studio that I owned, um, we were all titanium, so the big thing that you're looking for with either material is to make sure that it's implant grade, which um, you can ask to see metal, cer- metal certificates if you go somewhere. To be honest with you, they're incredibly boring and it's just a whole bunch of numbers, um, but you are able to see them if you want to. So the big question is just asking if it's implant grade material. Uh, the implant grade material for titanium, uh, a lot of vendors use them, such as like anatometal, industrial strength, those are Those are three of the big boys or big individuals for it. And um, the material that they use is actually the same material if you ever had to get an implant or like get a knee replaced or something similar. Um, it's the same type of material. So we know that it, it does fine on the inside as well as the outside. Uh, gold is also a material that's totally fine to start off with uh, as well as platinum. Uh, both of those are on the, the higher expense side, but it really depends on exactly what you're looking for. The, uh, the only other material that uh, is out there would be niobium, uh, which is another material that uh, is an element, so it's totally fine for you as an individual. And even with those things said, some people may have reactions to stuff, so just make sure you find out what your body likes and doesn't like and listen to it. But typically, going with an implant-grade material, such as uh, steel, niobium, uh, titanium or gold is, is definitely the, the route you want to go.
0: Cool.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, my studio is, we're about half and half on surgical steel or stainless steel or, and titanium, but definitely I've noticed that people are kind of, I don't want to say finally listening, but finally listening to professionals and the information with the internet is just so readily available we have more and more people coming in asking specifically for titanium. So we're making the switch to full titanium currently. And it's, yeah, super and awesome. it,
1: it takes a little bit of time Definitely. and and some people, some people swear by it. Some people don't like it. Um, it, it once again, it falls down to that personal preference. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that um, you'll see with a lot of um, uh, older clientele, uh, such as the ones in like, 60 to 80 year old range uh the ones that came from like the the um like i i always joke i had this one client who was a was a sailor and he always wanted to wear the heaviest jewelry imaginable so Mm -hmm. we always did steel because steel weighs a lot more than titanium and who i like i think i did i want to say 10 piercings up his ears and they started getting real crazy so it'd be like Six gauge, like two eighths, like two tens. Like finally, I was like, we can't keep doing this because his ears are actually starting to droop a little bit on him. But oh he loved God. it, so really? we just kept going with it. So,
2: there you go.
0: Cool. So, uh, one last question, really. Uh, you know, it's the same old adage: cheap is not necessarily good, and there's always some dangers with price shopping. So, when we're looking at a piercing what is it that you're really paying for? Is it the expertise and the knowledge, plus the jewelry? Uh, how would you term that?
1: Okay, so um, a lot of people fall into different camps on this. Uh, you know, the old the old adage, you get what you pay for, is a, is a thing, but let's be real, there's a lot of swindlers out there. Uh, that's a PC term, right? Like, I'm not sure, but uh, there's a lot of people out there who will try to like, you know, like pull one over on you. Um, so, so the biggest thing is, is that um, I will say, like, completely off the top, like you are a consumer, you are able to pre-shop from when the like the sun comes up to the sun goes down. Like that is your, you are completely able to do that. If if you want to the if you want to come in and be like, hey, like I'm just looking to get prices on things, cool, like let's talk. Um, but the the big the big clash from that is, is if you come in and you're like, Oh, I could get this from there for that much. So I'm like, well, that's totally fine. You can go ahead and do that if you, if you want to, but right. I can't make sure that you're ordering the right size and I can't make sure it's the right material. And I can't make sure that you're not going to break it when you put it in. So um, when it comes to pricing itself, uh, the industry in my belief is, is going this way where there is a piercing fee and then there is a jewelry cost. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult as a business owner to lump them together because the prices for things just are so varied. So the Pearson fee is the one thing which, in my eyes, you can never argue with someone over because that is basically the overhead. So that's the studio for you to walk into, the materials that keep everything clean, the jewelry, or, uh, not the jewelry, the uh, paycheck for the individual doing the piercing. Uh, all those things, you know, keeping the lights on, that's included in the piercing fee. So that is just them taking care of you. That's, that's how they, you know, put dinner on the table for their family or or feed their dogs bowls. You know, that's, that's how they do that. In regards to the jewelry. uh, I mean, we're in a, how's the best way to put this? We're in a luxury industry. Yeah. You don't need a piercing. There's never in my life. I've had someone come in that says, if I don't get this piercing in 10 minutes, I will die. That has never happened to me and I don't think it will ever happen. But with that being said, you know, if you have money to get a piercing, that's great. Let me help you. Let me see what I can do for you. If you don't have money for it or you want a specific thing, just wait. That's all you have to do. The piece is not going to, they're not going to lose the mold on how to make it. You know, like we can always order the same colors. We can always do that. So yeah, you could look around and see things like, you know, ammo or, um, the, the large online retailer like has some pieces. Uh, there's a few uh, websites in which you can get them. But the, the big thing is, is that by not going to a shop, you're not going to have a business to put, the, put that jewelry in or to do that piercing or any of those things. So personally, I've always believed in uh, shopping local in any which way possible and supporting smaller businesses uh, unfortunately like I said we live in a digital age not many people believe in that much like anymore so mm-hmm. so it is one of those things where yes you can price shop but on the same note you're actually possibly hurting the studio that's in your town uh, so be yeah. careful because one day if you buy everything online you may come to the realization that that studio is not open anymore and you have to drive four hours yeah. to find a studio that you trust not to break the $300 end that you just bought online
2: right Right. yeah i think part of it too is like there are quite a few shops in like my direct area that have like 15 dollar piercings including the jewelry and i just i don't understand like why is it so cheap and how are you able to offer it so cheaply and still you know pay your bills and feed yourself and everything else and where are you cutting corners and able to have such a low price and it it worries me. And I think that's that's where I think of like price shopping is going. Oh well, you want fifty dollars for this piercing, but I can go and get it for fifteen. I'm like, well, you can certainly do that, and I'd be happy to help you when you have the inevitable problems.
1: Yeah, that's the, the big thing is is when you when you take the numbers, like case in point, let's Let's just say that you wanted to, I don't know, get your Doth or Date done. You know, there's 30 for that, and then maybe the jewelry is 25. So you're at 55. But there's a shop down the street that will do it for 25. Right. So the thing that you have to ask yourself, you know, when that situation comes up is how did they get it so low? Where are they cutting the corners to make it so low? And unfortunately, the savings typically aren't passed on to the consumer. Uh, it's actually, they're selling a product that is, uh, how do I put it? They're selling a product that is very inferior to the pieces that you have. And, and um, there's going to be snake oil salesmen in in any industry that you're in. So there could be a guy who could, you know, sell ketchup popsicles to a lady wearing white gloves on a summer day, right down the road from you. And he he makes a living and he's happy and he doesn't mind it. But unfortunately, yeah. the client will eventually realize, you know, after two or three times, like, why does this keep happening? And that's where you're starting to see the shift. Because you'll, you'll have people who will buy the same garbage thing off that online realtor for, for $2 when it's normally 12 And they'll buy six of them and then just be like, well, I just should have bought the, the correct one in the first place. And that's a life lesson. And I think that will come with time. Yeah. But there's always going to be consumers that are going to go that route. But in all honesty, those aren't my clients, and I'm okay with them, you know, going somewhere else. I am a judgment-free individual. If you want to go somewhere else, that's totally fine. If you need help, I'm here. That's all that I can offer.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I, I have the same thing. Like I, I wish that they would come to me, and I definitely feel for the, the problems that they have, but I'm not going to, like, shame them when they come back
1: yeah that's a big thing like like we were
2: i'm gonna help you absolutely and hope that you've learned your lesson but i'm not gonna you know say i told you so or whatever
1: yeah like that's the big thing like like we said you know earlier a lot of these people don't know so that's that's how they learn and uh i mean they'll come in and i i hate to compare apples and oranges but like like they'll go to a shop and then they'll come to your shop or another high-end shop and just be like, whoa, there is night and day difference between these two. This was an amazing experience. This is where I'm going to come back. And that's, that's where I – that's actually what I built my business on before I moved is, is helping clientele that were, unfortunately, uh, my city was, was plagued with, you know, those buy two, get 12 piercings free kind of <laughs>
2: shops.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah
2: definitely. Uh, Denver has definitely had, I mean Denver is a great place for piercing on. We have so many just totally amazing shops and really amazing piercers uh, and just like leaders in the industry around. Uh, so it's, it's really nice in that sense and more and more people are kind of forgoing the, the lower end shops in favor for these more experienced um, and knowledgeable uh, piercers that They have such easy access to. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and the, the more piercers that actually unite themselves together, you'll see those shops start to weed themselves out.
2: Uh, yeah. a lot of
1: a lot of areas have uh, like piercer meetups where no matter what your studio is, we're here for the benefit of the industry and we'll like meet up with everyone. Yeah. So um, I don't. I'm not sure if Denver has one, but there's a there's like one in you know a New England one. There's the first and the biggest one in. Um, uh, the Bay Area in California. So, I mean, everyone's trying to to better themselves, typically. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's a great time for the industry. But you're going to have some shops that are that are a body piercing studio that sells jewelry, and you're going to have other shops that are jewelry stores that also do body piercing. So, you're going to find where you sit between one of those two.
2: Oh,
0: cool. All right, so we're coming up on to my favorite part of the show where we get to talk about the tattoo, or in this case, possibly the piercing of the day. So, Will, since you are our guest, um, why don't you just tell us about one of your favorite piercings, either that you have personally or one that you've done on somebody else?
1: Oh, sure. Uh, so, the thing that always like makes my soul happy is at any point when I'm able to help an individual reclaim part of themselves, Hmm. uh, I am a big, big guy. I've always been a big guy. And, uh, one of the things that drew me into piercing was the fact that, uh, I could change my appearance and feel better about myself by just doing one thing. Hmm. Uh, so getting a body piercing made me feel like, Hey, like I can actually love who I am. And, uh, I've had numerous clients uh, throughout the past who, uh, most of them have been women and they have expressed to me that they're unhappy with, uh, how they look. Uh, typically, how do I put this uh, sensitively? Uh, most women are very self-conscious about their, the way that their breasts look. Mm -hmm. And, uh, unfortunately, like society is awful nine times out of 10 and like people say really derogatory things to each other and really nasty stuff. Uh, so I had a young lady who had just gone through a terrible breakup and her partner had said some terrible things and she really didn't feel comfortable with herself anymore like every time she saw herself in the mirror she just saw the things that he said and it was the only thing that she could see it was was horrible she was so beaten down by it and she decided to come in and get her nipples done and I like walked her through everything and I was like, yeah, like, here we go. Like, we're going to, you know, pick up this jewelry. We pick it out, she brought a friend, her friend came with her and we go ahead and we do the piercing and everything. And she stands up and just immediately breaks out into tears
2: mm-hmm. and
1: is just overwhelmed. And I was like, oh no, she's unhappy. Like these are <laughs> things that she's not liking. And she turns around and she's just like, thank you so much. She was like, can I hug you? I was like, please put your shirt on first. Uh, you know, like it was... It, it was just one of those things and she left and she was just all smiles and she was super happy and it's one of those things where you know in in this day and age i mean everyone even anonymously can say anything about anyone else and unfortunately a lot of people attack other people's appearances and i feel like it's one of those things that whether it be you know an intimate piercing such as uh the young lady getting her nipples done or even just getting like a nose piercing to just be like, Hey, I just went through a divorce. Like my husband never wanted me to get this. Like, here we go. Like that's, that, those are the things that are why I do this job. And it's oh. just because I love it. It's, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, you could be like, I'm a super cool dude. I work in a piercing shop. I do all of these things. And honestly, all I want to do is go home, play board games and pet my dog. And, and just being able to, change how someone feels about themselves is is the real thing that warms my heart and makes me want to do this job day after day. That's absolutely, awesome.
2: Absolutely. Definitely. Those are the most rewarding clients. You don't, you don't even get them every day or even once a month, but when they do, it is so yeah. very fulfilling.
1: I'm, I'm sure that you've been in like a very similar situation with like clientele, like reclaiming themselves and in, in one which way or another. And, uh, It's great. It's great. It's honestly, and that's the thing that I I love about piercing. It's such a simple action, but can have just these huge emotional ties to it.
2: Exactly. Great.
0: Well, thank you both for being here. Uh, Once again, my guests have been Will Von Doom and Jasmine Giffen. So Will, how can people get in touch with you?
1: Sure. Uh, So you can follow me and look at my dogs and piercings and board games uh, on all social media. I'm at Will Von Doom. It's B-O-N-D-O-O-M-E. Um, you can also find me on my podcast, uh, which is available on all these wonderful things. Um, and you can find it through my website as well at com. Great.
0: And Jasmine, how can people get in touch with you?
2: Uh, so you can find me on Instagram at Sado Pacifist, S A D O P A C D I S T, or on Facebook at uh, Piercings by Jasmine. Um, and I don't I don't have a website. I just do those those two things. Or you can find me in uh, if you're in Denver, you can find me at Celebrity Tattoo in Lakewood.
0: Great. And uh, again, everyone, my name is Donna Shannon with the Personal Touch Career Services with that incredibly long website. Uh, My producer always reminds me, I need to say, if you like what we're doing, please give us a like button and follow us on all of your podcast platforms. And until next time, y'all take care.